Now, when you shift SAP's business model into one that they have to take that burden on, clearly that is an unviable business if they have to take the burden of your customizations. That gives me the confidence that this is not a marketing proposition, but it's actually a genuine technology proposition. Welcome to the Cloud ERP Playbook. In this show, we're going to speak with business leaders about their journeys to cloud ERP adoption. Cloud ERP is a key enabler for business innovation, helping companies to develop new business models to avoid being disrupted, gain efficiencies to reinvest into growth, and transform mission-critical systems without risk. I'm Bob Parker, Senior Vice President, Enterprise Applications, Data Intelligence, Services, and Industry Research for IDC. And I'm Mickey North Rizza, Group Vice President for Enterprise Software at IDC. Mickey, today's episode is entitled, How to Move to Cloud ERP with Confidence. And I'm excited about the conversation we're about to have. Unipark Group's move to Cloud ERP has had a profound effect on how they run their own business, but SAP Technologies are also enabling the firm to offer their expertise more broadly in a commercial setting. And to me, that's really the exciting part. Some people move to the Cloud ERP, they just sort of do a lift and shift of their existing estate to the cloud, but Unipart really took a different approach and are able to then use the platform to drive new business services for themselves. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's interesting how you can just take the approach of, oh, we're just going to get it installed, get moving and start using it, or you can actually leverage a new product, right? Like Cloud ERP here and take it to a whole new aspect so the organization can use it and get even more out of it than they had originally thought they could get to. So to me, this is going to be fun, Bob. It really is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But enough from us. Let's hear it from the man himself and jump into our chat with Unipark Group CIO, Giannis Levantis. Giannis, thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to SAP? If I recall, it's quite unique because it's only a critical core component to run your business, but it's also part of your revenue stream as a partner with SAP. Is that correct? That's true, Bob. So quite a unique situation here at Unipart. Also quite an exciting kind of situation for me. So as you very well said, we have two aspects to how we work with SAP. One is an end user aspect. So we use it for our own business to run our own business. But very importantly, there is a commercial aspect to that. And this is our proposition to our customers within the logistics propositions we put forward. And what we're looking to do now is go outside of those logistics boundaries and offer our expertise more broadly. Can you tell us a little bit about what aspects of SAP you brought forward, what products you've put together and how it's gone from that front to back office or maybe back office to front office is a better way to say it? So I guess in a simple summary of our historical SAP estate was ECC6, unsurprisingly, at the core. And then we had an BI and analytics capability with SAP BW and business objects. That was the historical estate that we had. What we moved forward with, and it will be a roadmap of products that we will be adding to our estate and our capability. But for now, we went with a three-pillar approach. And from a technology and product perspective, that starts with Signavio for business process management, business process re-engineering. Of course, again, at the heart of all this is SAP S4 HANA on RISE. And uh, the third part is the analytical part with the SAP Analytics platform cutting across SAP Analytics Cloud, Data Warehouse Cloud, and Integration Suite. Awesome. So is this SAP S4 HANA Cloud? Correct. 
Yes. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure. You know, one of the things we're finding at IBC is that by 2024, which is a very short time frame away here, 70% of organizations will have transitioned to modular intelligent business suites, harnessing the business processes, data, and innovation across the enterprise. So, you know, one of the things that I think you guys are doing is tying into SAP as this modular platform for your folks, right? To help you from revenue stream, give you the right ERP strategy, get to the right outcome, the knowledge that you need for your business. So, from our end, we sort of look at it as a big transformation effort. Can you give us a little bit more about what that transformation looks like as you're going down this journey? Sure, sure. So there is a number of elements in that transformation. First, probably what I would refer to Mickey as the well-understood traditional business transformation. So you need to rethink and reimagine your business processes, both from a perspective of optimizing your business, taking stock of where you are and seeing how you best move forward. And that, of course, entails the re-engineering of your core systems, SAP being the obvious part here. That's one element of the transformation. The second part of the transformation is more a technology one. We throw a lot of terms around and product names around, but you know the, the shift is quite significant. So moving to a cloud ERP with Rise and S4 HANA, moving to Signavio, moving to SAP Analytics, the latest kind of technology platform, does entail a lot of differences to what we've been doing to date. And therefore, from a technical perspective and a learning perspective and learning to the extent that we can become genuine experts in that field, that actually involves quite a lot of technological transformation. The third part of what we're doing is very much linked to our ambitions to expand our services, SAP services, offering much more broadly than logistics. And this cuts across a number of areas of capability in terms of certifications, implementations, working very closely and partnering with SAP actually for some of the implementations to really learn from the ground up how to best go about S4 HANA implementations in this latest kind of setup, but also bringing to life good practice. I want to avoid the term best practice, it's overused, but really good practice. How you go about bringing to life things like activate, how you bring to life all the nice marketing terms of clean core and all that. There's a lot of substance and real value in that, but bringing it to life is not trivial. And what it does to the mindsets of our technology colleagues as well, in terms of how they need to approach customizations and configuration, that's a big journey. And therefore it does involve quite a lot of transformation. But I would say these are the three legs of transformation we had to go through. Giannis, maybe you could give us a little bit more around the clean core, why it's so important to you, and then what that means to you from the back office into the front office to where you're going from a customization standpoint and configuration, why it's so important to go down that road. So if you don't mind, Mickey, I'd like to give a little bit of a long-winded answer to that because... Please, please. When a company tells me things like, you're going to have a clean core and that's a wonderful thing, I want to understand why would SAP want me to get there, right? Why would they invest a lot of money to get us there, right? And, and it all makes really good sense because when you look at the RISE proposition in very simple terms for, for our listeners, effectively SAP becomes your, I'll put it simplistically, your basis team, right? Now they have to maintain and worry about feeding and watering your SAP system. 
Now, we will all know that that involves a lot of pain and angst when you come to customizations. So you try to implement support packs, enhancement packs, version upgrades, and you know what the story is, right? Everybody's crying foul about all the customizations, how many hundreds or thousands of those we have, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when you shift SAP's business model into one that they have to take that burden on, clearly that is an unviable business if they have to take the burden of your customizations. That gives me the confidence that this is not a marketing proposition, but it's actually a genuine technology proposition. Just as a preamble to the answer, right? Now, in terms of BTP itself, I guess BTP as a subject is pretty broad, but in the context of a clean core, it is quite a smart change that SAP have introduced. Again, the word customization has traditionally been a cardinal sin, right? You go into an SAP team, an SAP implementation, <laughs> you say, guys, we will develop some customizations and everybody looks at you like you just, you know, call their baby ugly or something. So it is a really inappropriate thing to say, right? And then you go through all kinds of due diligence to see or to prove that you didn't say something crazy. And there is some balance to be stricken, right? But what we find with RISE and BTP is that this game changes completely because first of all, you have the opportunity of genuinely splitting your core code, your S4 system from your customizations, but that sounds simplistic. Okay, big deal, but it is a big deal because you don't just keep them separate, but as you update your S4 system, you don't have that consequence of breaking your customizations. And the reason why you don't break your customizations is because you have, primarily the reason, is because you have an API architecture right in the middle that effectively abstracts your logic that you've developed through customizations and SAP's database table structures and code logic through this API layer. And therefore, what happens behind the scenes continues to respect that API layer and API architecture, therefore allowing your customizations or your developments to continue to work in concert with whatever updates you implement in SAP. That is a real step change. That's interesting. We've done some research on just the concept of resiliency even before the pandemic, and it's actually an academic discipline. And one of the leading academics talks about one of the characteristics being simple at the core, diverse at the edges. And seems like you've achieved that because you've got the clean core, you've got the customization, so you're able to extend. Agreed. And if I may add to that, just Bob, effectively, not only you have this old problem go out of the way, I'm not suggesting that we go nuts on customization, right? But now all I'm trying to <laughs> say is this old principle of customization is necessarily a bad thing. Let's keep it to a minimum is not quite the case. Now, Development is development, right? You develop solutions, you have to be structured, disciplined, and mindful of how you do it. But nevertheless, now it's a different mindset. That's number one. Number two, you remove the necessity of sticking with ABAP. You have many more opportunities and options to go after. So you could be either developing or leveraging existing developments that you have carried out in terms of Python or JavaScript and Java, etc. while ABAP remains indeed one of the options. So it's really not just resiliency, it's also agility too, right? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And we right. have a, a very important example in Unipart where we are developing a very substantial externally facing system for dealerships, very extensively used of commercial and operational criticality. Uh, that is being developed in Python and that is absolutely founded on its integration with um, S4. 
you know, these two projects, if you want, they're independent of each other. But now because of this obvious integration that we have between Python development and S4, that integration becomes a natural component of what we do. So the age-old struggle in these projects is just the change management involved. So perhaps you could talk about that a little bit. Besides the help from SAP, what is Unipart doing on both fronts, both in terms of your back office systems, in terms of having that discussion with your customers when you extend the SAP system on their behalf? Yes, absolutely. So Again, first, there are simple disciplines. That's why I said uh, I'm not in love with the term best practice, right? Because it's been used so much, it's become the painting on the wall that everybody says the term, but nobody really pays attention to it. So we aspire to do things really well. And what does that mean in the context that you are of your question, Bob? First of all, you must start with your business processes. There's no two ways about it, right? So going to directly into a solution just doesn't work. And I think most of us or all of us know that. And now that is nicely enabled with Signavio. Again, just breaking myths and marketing uh, kind of noise. If you look at Signavio, it's not necessarily uh, something brand new in terms of concept. What the value that it brings to the table is that it's a well-concerted, well-thought-through collection of disciplines and functionality that comes together in a very thoughtful way. Um, and that's where the value lies. So we do start with business process and Signavio being very methodical and data-driven in terms of understanding what the current processes are and designing in a very collaborative fashion. And it's also that collaboration, one of the elements that Signavio helps with, but collaboratively designing the processes of the future. And, and in terms of change management, that's one of the traditional blockers or, or resistance points that you come across. Because I will say the, the process should be designed like this. You will have a different view and Mickey will have a different view. And sometimes we're not even talking about our different views, right? Signavio does allow us, of course, with, with the, the right practices and methods behind it, it does allow us to bring all three of us together and really collaborate on the thinking through the process. So that is is of paramount importance to have the right foundation to then get into the system. Then you go into the system, again, nothing that resembles rocket science, but again, sticking to good practice. So when we say activate, let's not pay lip service to it. Let's really go after the methodology and let's be very disciplined about how you go about it. That is very important. Number two is utilizing best practice content, which starts already with Signavio and making sure we take an approach where we configure and customize by exception as opposed to by rule. And these are the two main aspects of change management we apply very thoughtfully and very consciously. And of course, there is a the overarching element of organizational change management for any kind of transformation that is critical because it's all well and good to design a well thought through operating model and a well designed solution, but you have to address an organization and that is a collection of human beings. So you need to think of the human element of how you make that change be accepted. More from our conversation with Giannis right after this. Rise with SAP provides your company with a guided journey to cloud ERP, so you can develop new business models, drive new efficiencies, and modernize mission-critical systems to help you grow, all while avoiding disruption and interruptions. Become an intelligent, sustainable enterprise in the cloud. Rise with SAP comes with a tailored-to-fit cloud ERP, that adapts to your organization's unique transformation requirements, 
industry next practices, extensibility options, analytics, business process transformation capabilities, and outcome-driven services. To learn more about Rise with SAP and how companies drive business innovation with the solution, contact your SAP partner or visit our website at sap.com forward slash rise. Now back to our conversation. So, Giannis, when you look at SAP Signavio, it sounds like it's brought a lot of value to you, specifically around evolving your processes and perhaps improving your KPIs. Anything there you can share around that? So at the moment where we are with our journey is we've done, we've captured all our, as they typically called as-is processes or current processes. We have leveraged best practice content in Signavio and designed the processes that are now driving the implementation itself. So what we're looking to do post-implementation, though, to your point, Mickey, is compare the before and after. But this time around, rather than using words and best endeavors to use data to actually show the benefits that we are enabling through the re-engineering of our processes and the re-implementation of the SAP system. So, Giannis, you talked about expanding the footprint and the offering. Maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit. I'm particularly interested in artificial intelligence and machine learning, if you're doing anything in that area. Actually, that's a very interesting topic, Bob, and something that is quite close to my heart, Um, for reasons I will not bore you with now. Maybe we'll grab a beer one day. (laughs) So machine learning, do we do anything with machine learning? Actually, we have a quite substantial team of PhDs and practitioners. We have put a lot of emphasis on machine learning and what value we can drive out of it. But my experience with machine learning until very recently has been that it becomes this very specialized discipline, almost, if I can use the word, geeky discipline, right? That is (laughs) the guys in the corner doing their stuff in a black box and everybody, you know, is praying that it's going to work and add some value and somehow integrate to the rest of the estate. What BTP has brought to life, quite interestingly, is that marriage of what you would call enterprise technology and these more uh, innovative niche kind of skills. And we've seen that in real life where we have sat down with two groups of people that if you want, traditionally would look quite disparate. And they've been sitting together in the same enterprise technology workshops, really working across that flow of going from an ERP system to an analytics platform to a machine learning extension into your analytics and how that loop works from start to finish. So that is a very interesting piece, yes. And we're, we're working on machine learning across forecasting, predictability, uh, predictive analytics, et cetera. And you said BTP, that's business technology platform, is that correct? That's correct, yes, business technology platform. There, yeah. So is it safe to say that your move to BTP and S4 HANA Cloud has sort of provided the foundation to allow you to do more machine learning and AI? Yeah. Yes, 100%. It's not so much about doing more. It is more about doing more contextually. Okay. So machine learning, again, I'm only speaking of my experience. Maybe some of our listeners have different experiences, but my experience is that machine learning has been addressed as a bit of a silo. And then we're all sitting there scratching our heads of how we can make that a relevant and integral part of our business. 
the thing that has changed here is not the quantity, but the context. So we are contextually developing machine learning with a ready integration. It doesn't have to be an afterthought. The integration and the context is already there. So we start from the right context and we have the relevant integrations available to us from day one. And that helps, you know, by consequence, that brings the respective teams closer together by way of collaboration. They start to speak the same language. They start to solve the same yep. problems, despite the fact that they come at it from different angles. So, so the question I have for you is, you look at this, when do you think you'll get to a point where AI machine learning brings more decision-making capabilities to augment what the humans are doing with their decisions? Mm, that's an excellent question. I think that's already happening. Okay. I think it links quite a lot to the point about cloud and the commoditization of the basics. So look, you can expand your investment and you can expand the team size or you, the sizes of your teams or how many people you bring on board. However you cut it, you do have a finite amount of focus, right? So if that focus is heavily skewed towards worrying about setting up infrastructure and installing SAP and watering and feeding it, while you could claim that, ah, don't worry about it, we have some budget, we'll hand it over to a team. The reality is an organization altogether has a finite amount of resources, be it financial, human, but quite importantly, focus, right? So going on to a cloud ERP setup does commoditize those basics. So that is a first step, which allows us to skew our focus towards the right, towards more innovation, right? That's number one. Number two is off the back of that, as we start to develop more embedded solutions, as we have seen actually from a consumer perspective, so machine learning we're using on our mobile phones, like we don't even realize we're using is that embedded, right? In an enterprise context, I think that's behind where the consumer technology is at the moment. But I think as we shift our focus and allow ourselves to shift our focus and start to embed much more frequently and much more integrally these machine learning solutions, they will become more like second nature and therefore become much more embedded in our day-to-day -day operations. Okay. And then that, that makes sense because we're, we're actually seeing by 2023, which is just around the corner, that 60% of businesses will embrace a decision-making model, combining the power of AI and human judgment to get to a more informed decision-making. So you're, you're well on that road is what it sounds like. Agreed. And actually, there is an important differentiation to be made there, which is in line with how machine learning in itself is progressing as a discipline. So you could talk about decision-making or machine learning enabled or driven or supported decision-making, but typically uh, through time, that has been quite narrow. So you take a narrow field and machine learning can be very competent in that narrow field. What is changing quite substantially is that breadth of capability and therefore the breadth of decisions that it can support. And also if you look down a value stream, do you employ a machine learning decision-making uh, tool or application for a an element of that value chain or can it support you across the piece from start to finish? And that is what I think the progress will be coming in. Do you think that some of this that you're doing and that is going to help you as we look at more and more issues around the globe from economic issues to, you know, geopolitical to weather related issues? Can, can you talk a little bit about how this is setting you up for these few, I'll call it the future proofing of your business to get to a more digital world? 
Yes, absolutely. So the way I see it is kind of layers of a pyramid or a cake, if you're feeling hungry. Right? <laughs> uh, but but uh, first you have to get your operations in order. And when I say operations, I refer to anything that you do as a business, right? And what does that mean, getting it into order? You have to be on top of your operating model. You have to understand how you drive your business, how you define and operate your processes, and you have to optimize those. So you have to get that foundation right. The fact that you can commoditize quite a lot of it, especially from a technology perspective, again, helps, right? So less distraction with things that don't add value. They're necessary, but they don't add business value directly. So that's step one. Step two is therefore allowing yourself now to focus more on analytics, data, and number two on machine learning. And then when I bring that back to your question, Mickey, effectively in simple terms, we are talking about a fairly volatile global landscape, be it economic or political or anything else. The consequence of that simply in my mind is change, rapid change, and you have to be responsive, right? Especially supply chains. Now we see all kinds of increasing costs. We see supply chains not necessarily making a huge amount of sense when they span a large geography. Um, so we have to be responsive as opposed to reactive. And I think one of the best or most reliable ways of becoming more responsive rather than reactive is data and how you leverage the power of data in your forward planning, in your day-to-day -day operations, and in your ability to, in some cases, react. and react, But react well, react with precision, and therefore react effectively. You know, it's interesting. Bob asked you a question about change management. This is the heart of it, right? Because you're yes. really flipping up your business to look at things so differently. Exactly. And if you have an operation that is messy, that you mm -hmm. partially understand and therefore you have a partial control over that has a necessary consequence of your ability to gather reliable data and therefore your ability to make data-driven, precise and effective decisions. So all that knock-on effect means now you find yourself in a fairly volatile global landscape that you will have to be responsive and reactive to with little by way of ammunition to do that well. Yeah, that's that's tremendous, Giannis. Uh, we see in our research, we firmly believe that just like economies of scale were the competitive differentiation in the old economy, that economies of intelligence are going to be the difference in the digital business era, including the ability to synthesize data and obviously increasing your capacity to learn. And it sounds like you've got that set up really well. So I really appreciate your time today, Giannis. It's been great. I look forward to hearing more about the offerings from Unipart and how you're making the journey better for others. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Mickey. Very nice to talk to you. And thank you for making the time for a very engaging podcast. Thank you, Giannis. And thank you, Bob. Well, Mickey, a lot to unpack there. What did you hear from Giannis's comments? Well, at least for now, the potential of artificial intelligence and machine learning can really only be unlocked by combining them with human judgment. As Yana says, we're going to see the currently narrow field of machine learning continue to expand. What about you, Bob? What did you hear? Yeah, I think no matter how well articulated a marketing proposition, it's not going to save your firm. The technology proposition is going to have to come through as well. All you solutions out there, take notice. Don't have a better marketing message than technology. Well said. 
Our next episode is Succeed in a Changing Environment with Continuous Innovation. And we'll be chatting with Freddie Carsamakers, Global IT Business Partner for DSM Finance and Procurement. Thanks for listening to the Cloud ERP Playbook. I'm Bob Parker. And I'm Mickey Northrizza. Talk to you soon. <laughs>